Tom Bernard Show with our special guest. Oh. <laughs> You're unbelievable. Well, I was just prepping. <laughs> I'm prepping. <laughs> it was difficult to get the uh, the chair because you can't really scoot it because of the carpet. Yep. And yeah. as I tried to scoot it, it felt like some of the legs were moving and some of them weren't. <laughs> and I didn't That's want to be the guy good. who breaks the chair. <laughs> not again. Tom Bernard Show with our <laughs> special guest. He's still not good. Tevin Pittman. <laughs> <laughs> special guest. Oh, Frank Landu. I like it. From left to right. Uh, Brandon Simon. Andy Brett Bernard. Cassie Schrader. We'll be right back more with Frank Caliendo right after this Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. And it's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business that started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to Walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. I love this song. I love the traveling Wolverine. Yeah. I mean... A little bit of talent in that group, no question about yeah, it. Yeah, you had Roy Orbison, George Harrison, mm-hmm. uh, Bob Tom Dylan, Petty. Tom Petty. Yeah, it's a great yeah. band. I've heard of all of them. Yeah, <laughs> they sounded great together. They did, absolutely they did. No, I still think one of my favorite things, I don't know if you guys watch, do you watch golf at all on television? No, but that, that band sounds like the original Avengers. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like a superhero team up. Go ahead, I'm sorry. It is a superhero team, but... I don't remember what the hell I was even going to say. What was I talking? Oh, watch golf. Rory McIlroy, you ever heard that name? Yeah, I know. I know okay. who he is. Yeah. Rory McIlroy, about three years ago, he was he had won some tournament. And I don't know why the reporter would have done this to him, but he did. He said, could you name one of the Beatles? 
Now, the kid at the time is probably, what, 27 years old, something like that. He's from Northern Ireland, but he's 27. He said, uh, could you do me a favor? Could you, uh, could you name one of the Beatles? Mm-hmm. And Rory McIlroy got this really confused look on his face, and he said, George Lucas? <laughs> it was phenomenal. We what if the, he'd have been like Pete Best? Yeah, Pete Best. Ooh, that would have been phenomenal. I think that would have been a fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, Pete Best got screwed over. <laughs> you mean that one? Um, yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I don't know. See, I, don't, I, I tend to not do that. I just did an interview with a guy this morning that I, I can't say who it is because he doesn't want it released until Wednesday. Nicest guy in the world. And afterward, he said. I can't tell you how much I appreciate the fact that you didn't ask me those sappy-ass questions that everybody asks. Yeah, I mean, people don't realize how many times you get asked the same questions. And that's the other thing for me, too, with the uh, the impression stuff. That, that I get this constantly. Who who knew are you working on? And I will have this. Oh, God. What new impression are you working on? And here's the funny thing. is I've done full interviews where I've said I'm not working on anybody new. If something happens, I'll... I'll do it if it just seems to fit, but I, I'm not working. I'm not sitting there trying to work on a new impression. I was doing a radio show with a sports radio guy, a friend of mine, and he's like, uh, so he couldn't get it through his head. I was like, uh, I told him all that, I'm not working on any new impressions. This whole tour is about not doing the impressions, just telling stories and mm-hmm. finding out more about me. And he's like, uh, so are you, uh, are you working on a Tony Romo? I'm like, no, I told you. I'm not working on a, any. He's like, what about a Jim Nance? You work, oh no, my God. I'm not working on a Jim Nance. Unless my son sounds like Jim Nance. And they say, like, is your son, does he sound like he, he wasn't joking. He, was, he couldn't get past that I didn't want to do the impressions. I'm like. The reason I want to do the impression because everybody, that's all they ever want. That's uh, It's all I you know. end up doing, and you never get to create anything new. It's just formulaic stuff. I've been ratting out someone on the morning show, but I, I don't identify who it is. But I used to talk to Gore Vidal all the time. I thought Gore Vidal was this magnificent writer. He, he was a terrific writer. And so he used to come on the show all the time, and toward the end of his life, he released a book called Palimpsest. Which is just basically your your story on papyrus. It's an old reference. So he also kind of discovered that he wasn't going to live much longer. He was told he was not going to live a whole lot longer. This actually happened, by the way. I'm not making this up. So it's about the twentieth time I've interviewed Gore Vidal, and now I have to talk to him about dying. And so I'm saying, you know, he says, Mr. Bernard. He always called me Mr. Bernard. He never called me Tom. He goes, Mr. Bernard, uh, I found out I'm not going to live much longer. I said, oh, that's horrible news. I, I'm sorry that you you told me that. And he goes, well, tell, tell the truth about whatever. So I'm talking to him about one of the great writers of all time is going to die very, very soon. And I said, Gore, I, I hope you never die. And he said, Mr. Bernard, if I do, you'll be the first to know. Mm-hmm. And right after he says, Mr. Bernard, you'll be the first to know, one of the people on the show said, do you have any pets? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> really? You're going to jump in? I'm talking to one of the greatest writers of all time. He's talking about dying, and you jump in with, do you have any pets? <laughs> okay. Morning yeah. radio. And that's just yeah. a listening, you know, that's a listening thing. And that, that's, I teach you that. That's one of the things you learn in acting is you're not listening completely. You have your yeah. own 
Yeah. That's another thing I learned about it in acting that I didn't know is I always thought you planned out what you were going to do and then you try to live that out. That's right. not what it is. You have to go moment to moment to moment and everything changes. You can do the same scene every night. And it's going to be different every night. It should be different every night. Yeah. If it's not it's slightly different, different yeah. you're not reliving it because if yeah. somebody's going to do something differently and you're going to have to react that's another thing like in acting you hear somebody talk and they'll be like uh that sounds great and the other person's like i know that doesn't fit (laughs) and watch bad acting if somebody says that sounds great i know it does you you have to match and come back with what they're doing but that in that case the person isn't listening they're not following through what the situation is they're just like I've got this pet question. He's going to hang up yeah. soon. He's talking <laughs> I about don't. i got to get it out there. Please don't. You know, there's a movie called The Island of Dr. Moreau. I remember oh. it. And the, the, the one with Marlon Brando? Speaking of animals. Well, that was the one where... Uh, he made animal-human hybrids. Right, yeah. but that but he that did, is yes. the one where Mike Myers got the idea for Mini-Me. Oh, from that is. little yep. weird yeah. guy. Yep. Oh, did. I didn't know so, that. Yeah. In that movie, if you guys haven't seen it, because there's a, it, it's the second or third iteration of the movie. It, it had been made much earlier, but Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer, two phenomenal actors, are in it. They didn't get along at all. I guess they hated one another, and they used to sit in their trailers. And I, I, I'm only coming out if he comes out first. Right. And they both were saying that, so nobody ever came out. Mm-hmm. So they had to work that out. But one of the greatest things. <clears throat> Unless you were paying attention, you would have no idea why the hell he was doing it. But there's a point in the movie in which Marlon Brando's character dies. And from that moment on, Val Kilmer does the rest of the movie with Marlon Brando's voice. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Oh, yeah, that's right. The rest of the movie, he does Marlon Brando. Uh, and he, there's no reason for it. Oh, really? He just does it. And you go, oh, my God, they hated each other that much. <laughs> so he was just, like you're saying, he was just living it. Right. And this is what I'm going to do now because he's dead. So I'm going to remind you that he's dead by talking like him for the rest of the movie. Yeah. It's yeah. like, God. And people did not like the movie because it was pretty obvious that no one wanted to be there. But I loved it. I absolutely loved the movie because of all the odd things that those two did. It was a they weird, made it a very I, weird. I'm gonna movie. go back and watch it for that. Oh God, see, it's amazing. Because when you know behind the scenes or something, it can make something way yeah. more interesting. Oh, he rolls up and he's dressed like Marlon Brando too. When he rolls up in his little, I do remember that. Yes, he dressed like Marlon. He rolls up. And he goes, oh, we're gonna do today. It's gonna be unbelievable. And he starts <laughs> talking like Marlon Brando. I'm like, what the hell's it? Why is he doing that? Oh yes, he's reminding the the whole world that he's still in the movie and marlon brando isn't <laughs> that's funny oh god i i just I, you know the whole thing about about great actors and i love great acting people i don't think people know what great acting even is but you get so i, I just mentioned too marlon brando and val kilmer phenomenal let me ask you this this is there's one danger with what you're doing have you ever noticed that that really good actors are unstable as hell Mm -hmm. (laughs) because i just think they can do it so well that it scares the hell out of them i don't think i'll ever be that good i don't know i disagree i i don't know i don't i i don't know it's opened me up more emotionally than i ever but having kids has done that too that's Um, true yeah but i'm a very reactionary reactive person so uh 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I it's well, since I started taking the acting lessons, I've definitely I tear up a lot more th- thinking about oh, yeah. things my kids do. Oh, yeah. I've opened a lot of those doors that mm-hmm. that I wasn't trying to be a tough guy. I I, I try to get no, my no, son to get on that side. I'm like my son won't even like he doesn't like to be touched. He won't give you a hug. I tell him I love you because I don't think my dad just wasn't that type. Isn't no. that type of guy? No, my I dad understand. won't say I love you. He's just. Yeah. He's just, uh, you know, my dad's also the cheapest guy. <laughs> he is? I, oh, yeah, my dad would do stuff. It's so funny because I remember being a kid, and because I tried to do a lot of the opposite just because I remember how my dad made me feel with some of yeah. these things. Yep. And he wasn't trying to be mean, but he was just cheap. I remember going to the store, and I'd saved up my money, and I wanted to buy something. He's like, why don't you just get one of those? I'm like, Dad, they're thumb wrestlers. You need two. Otherwise, you just <laughs> ghost thumb wrestling. You know, I need Big John Studd and Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just a solo match. So. Get the Rocky one and then have him, like, punch a little punching bag. And, right. Yeah. Do a training <laughs> montage with one. Yeah, just like, you know, all I can do is try thumb training montages. Yep. <laughs> I, so... Uh, but I, I do find myself much more emotional since having kids, and then with the, with the, uh, with the acting stuff, that's opened me up quite a bit, which is helping with the stand-up stuff because it's things are coming from that reality. And when I talk from a, a place and have an emotion attached to it, I can feel that the stand-up is working so much better. But also, like you said, the unstable thing. I find things that just like I will say things now. I am like almost a human Twitter feed where I will just yeah, say yeah. stuff. Like for example, I had to hold myself back. My son took this. Um, so he's a, he's a he's a pretty smart little dude. He's um, following in my footsteps. No, he uh, <laughs> he's he's a he's just turned fourteen. He's young, and he's going to uh, he's in he's a freshman. So he just turned fourteen. Turned freshman. So he's super young. Most of the kids turned fourteen right. last year during right. school. Yep. Uh, even if it was like February through May or whatever. Um. So he's he took his first quiz in honors algebra three four, which is a junior level class. So he took that, and I get this angry text after he took it in the morning. In between, he goes, "You're not going to believe what the teacher did," and put a whole bunch of expletives in it. He's like, "She put questions about the syllabus in the." Uh, oh. Test. She didn't just test on the material. She tested on the syllabus. I'm like, did she ever tell you that it was going to be in the in on the test? She goes, no. They had nothing to do with anything we talked about. I was, so I go talk. Go talk to the teacher. He's like, the worst part is it threw me off at the rest. I couldn't think. I was so mad about. It. I'm like, well, that's a lesson you have to learn. Right. And you can't because emotionally he's a bit behind and that kind of stuff. So I was like, you have to be able to reason through things and just live your life, even if something throws you off that bad. I was like, I know, I just couldn't. I go, go talk to the teacher, tell her what happened, and then you just have to work your butt off to, for the rest of the semester. If you got a 50% or 60 if you failed it as badly as you think you did, his buddy's dropping the class. His friend is who's overall oh, really? smarter than him. I don't think better in math than him, but overall smarter than him. Mm-hmm. Is just so mad about this because the teacher did a whole speech about how teachers are here to help you, not hurt you. Oh, and then yeah. she did that. And that, yeah. that got him a little bit more. So he went to the teacher afterward, after school, which I told him to do, and said, just tell her you care. You know you got a bad grade. You know you didn't know any of that. You have to fully admit that uh, you didn't know the answer to those questions. 
but it also affected the rest of what you were doing there, and you let it affect you, and you just wanted to know, even if you can't take it, you wanted to know who you are and what the situation was. And he did that, and he came back, and I said, oh, what did she say? And he said, well, she didn't. She wasn't going to change anything or let me retake anything, but she told me there was a quiz next week and a test the week after that, so I was like, okay, good. You got something positive out of it. Work from there. And he goes, yeah, and she said that we signed the syllabus and turned it in, so we should, we have, we, if you sign something, you should know what's in it. And I said, okay, well, let's go give her some quizzes about her mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go give her a quiz, because that's bad reasoning. That's not true. It's, yeah, it's you not sign true. things right. for when right. a dispute comes up that you can say at the time you understood it, reasoned through I it, agree. and knew it. You didn't sign something, say, I memorized this situation. I go, let's ask her about the terms of service in Facebook. Does she have a Facebook page? Because I'm pretty sure she doesn't know any of the actual terms of service from that. No. How about her, uh, let's ask her questions about her car loan. I bet she signed on that. <laughs> Nobody knows. And you, you, even if you read through or have a lawyer read through the, the house documents or whatever, you 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 go back and if there's a dispute you go oh I signed off on that and there's no way you can in the real world know everything no, that you're right. signing off on no and it gets people it's gotten me in trouble and but I but said, at I the, didn't know I signed that but at the same time a kid taking a test on that that counts right. I can see if you want to teach that life lesson to me it's you tell them. Then you you make it look like it counts, and then at the end you go, you know, yeah. it, it didn't count. But yeah. that feeling, you're going to learn from that feeling. Mm -hmm. Not not you're going to go from a, a ninety percent to a sixty percent on the first quiz of the year and be right. working out of the hole the whole time, as a freshman who's in his first week of school. Yeah, that's tough. That's just that's tough to me. I'm yeah, surprised she's allowed program. to do something like that. Just. Well, she, her other on... reasoning was this. She said, I do it every year. And I said, well, mm. then everybody who has a sibling in the class or knows somebody who is in the class knows has and has everything. an advantage. Yeah. Technically, that's cheating. Yeah, that's And you gave us a whole speech strange. about cheating mm -hmm. at the freshman orientation. Anyone caught cheating, that's telling somebody what's on the test, what to study for. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah that's, mm -hmm. that's cheating. So... Uh, there's a lot of holes in her, um, and I'm not doing any of this stuff in the Phoenix area, but I'm hoping some of it gets We'll take a break. Be right back more with Frank Caliendo, Tom Bernard Show. Just like all of you, I'd been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it's as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow, and I love it because I have a pretty big melon, pretty big head, and my pillow will prop it right up. I can get my neck aligned, and I sleep very well because of it. Mike Lindell, the inventor of My Pillow, has a very special offer for my listeners. My Pillow is offering buy one My Pillow and get another absolutely free. Don't delay. Order now. This offer expires August first. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first My Pillow. If you already know how great the My Pillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146. Use the promo code TOM or go to MyPillow.com, but make sure to use the promo code TOM. Call 1-800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers 
just waiting to be driven home. And Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call Roger or Eddie right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Listen to you playing snazzy music today. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, tomorrow night, Frank Caliendo is at Acme. And then uh, the 27th and 28th at Acme as well. Uh, tonight, tomorrow night sold out, and next Tuesday sold out as well. But um, Monday night has just a few tickets remaining. We'll talk about that because they'll be gone after this show. So you know, yeah, we're certainly after the morning show tomorrow. Really great. <laughs> you know, you know who taught me what great? Look, I watched Marlon Brando, and I watched all these different people acting back in the day, because Marlon Brando broke from. Well, my darling, I'm going upstairs now and probably taking a nap. That was acting before Marlon Brando. Right. And he changed it to, oh, (laughs) he'd be mumbling and just talking like a regular guy. But the person who who really nailed it for me and really showed me what great acting was all about was Jackie Gleason. And what I mean by that is he was Ralph Cramden. And he was always going to be Ralph Cramden to some people, except for he was such a good actor. Um, he did a movie called uh, Gijo, in which he was a deaf, he was a mute. I don't think he was deaf, he was mute. He played Minnesota Fats in, uh, in The Hustler. But the one role he played, did you ever see a movie called Soldier in the Rain, starring uh, Steve McQueen and, and Jackie Gleason? He is so incredibly good in that movie because it's a very emotional pa- uh, part that he's playing. At one point, he's a, he's, a, he's a master sergeant in the Army, and Steve McQueen is a private in the Army, and they befriend one another, and they talk a lot about life and what life is all about and all the rest of it. And he, uh, at one point, Jackie Gleason is standing in full-dress uniform in front of a mirror in his office. And... Steve McQueen walks in and he sees Jackie Gleason looking at himself in the mirror. And McQueen says, Maxwell, what are you doing? And he goes, well, Eustace, I must tell you something. It's just part of life, and I understand that, but it is very difficult to be a fat narcissist. And the way he (laughs) delivers that line is so incredible (laughs) that he really, his character believes I am a narcissist, but I'm a very fat narcissist, and that's not an easy thing to do. It's just <laughs> phenomenal acting, wonderful acting. It's very emotional. Um, is there anybody you're trying to kind of pattern yourself after it as far, not, you know, emulating them, but you admire their style or, or whatever so much? Uh, I just like the people, I, I don't know, not really. I like, I like serious actors who are able to elicit a laugh because they're so mm. serious. In yeah. ca- I mean, the really good ones, Robert Downey Jr. is amazing at that. He's a that. great actor. Yeah. Incredible. Um, and that's all a style. He's very, he's just him, right? He's doing yep. He's doing his thing, making it happen, getting better. Okay. <laughs> that, that type of uh, situation is what I'm all about. Okay. Um, 
uh, Kevin Spacey, although in trouble now and you're not supposed to like him anymore, is one of those guys you just watch and go, holy yeah. cow. Great actor. Just fantastic. Um I like, uh, I mean, I like, I just think the shows that I watch are where I see a lot of great acting. Better Call Saul is my new. Oh, yeah, it's very good. I mean, I just. Very good. Bob Odenkirk is amazing. Incredible. Uh, Jonathan Banks. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're going to take care of it, but it's going to take a little while. Love He's it. just, it's so, and I love how they do this on Better Call Saul. You'll see the character Mike Ehrmantraut creating something. You don't know what he's making, and then it, the, a little bit later, it's revealed why he did it. And right. it might not even be in that episode. It might be an episode or two later. You saw why he was putting down some type of trap. Turns out he was setting something up for somebody else and carrying out the job right. that you didn't even know he was doing. And when they reveal what he was doing, it's like, that's just brilliant, brilliant writing. It is great um, writing. There's no getting around it. Did you ever see a, call, a show called Rectify? It was on the Sundance Channel. Mm-mm. If you ever get a chance to watch it, you should definitely watch it because the lead in the show Rectify is so incredibly understated and kind of unemotional. It's got to be one of the biggest bitch of an acting jobs ever because hmm. he was not allowed to show a whole lot of emotion. He was very reserved, but he was brilliant. And I can't remember the actor's name. That's terrible. I can't. But have you watched this show on HBO Succession? It's I have another, not. No. It's really good too. And I, the guy I heard about talking about it was on a radio interview. It was Charles Barkley talking about I got to watch Succession and Power. He's talking about, <laughs> and now I, I haven't seen the show Power yet, but I watched Succession, and he's totally right. It's a fantastic. It's well acted. I've heard. Yeah. It's a really good show. Um, I'm only three or four episodes in, but I, I look for these kinds of shows where the acting is just uh, blowing me away. And the, the other one is Game of Thrones. I just I watch it. Yeah, and I go, man, they just you know exactly what they're thinking, and they're not telling you anything they're thinking. Like I, that's the difference I see between network shows, uh, for the most part, and smaller cable like FX and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. In 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 um. What they will do in a network show, or in a, let's do a cable show. In a cable show, uh, or pay cable kind of show, you'll see a bunch of things happen. There might not even be any dialogue, mm-hmm. and you'll, you'll, you'll just go, okay, they're putting that together, they, that. And then you're allowed to put it together yourself. The, the dialogue is there in a, to, to give you some background, and you get to put it together yourself. In a network show, they'll be like, I'm going to have to go downstairs right now because there's something happening downstairs that I have to take care of. And you go, well, that, you're just giving – there's no thinking involved. They're telling you the whole thing. And the other thing between like an FX show um, or a cable show and a show on network TV – Network TV is all beautiful people doing stuff. Con- all, they, they're all the main people are beautiful people, and on FX or whatever, they're just regular looking people. Like Bob Odenkirk, yeah, is not like, a no, lead in right. a drama yep. on uh, on a show on network television. No, not not that he couldn't be, but they're just casting the guy with the great hairline. They're going to cast the guy. What? No, no, he's got a guy. I mean, he's 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 got that high forehead. He's, he's just a, a different. Forehead. He's just got a different look, and he's not going to be taken in a serious role. They put him in a serious role, and he's incredible. 
He's amazing. That he whole is. show, Michael McKean is in, was incredible in that show. He was. So yeah. it's... I watch that stuff and go, that's that's what I'd like to do. And when you watch a sitcom, they're going, funny line, funny line. Everybody's funny in the sitcom. I like, uh, no, I like it when they're just, when the, ser- when the ser- it's so serious, uh, everybody's taking everything so seriously that something just happens to be funny. And joke lines don't make me laugh. If somebody does a joke, I'm like, that's a joke. You know, unless right, the character's right. joking on purpose. But yeah. like, I'll get those lines, they'll be like, that's because I'm thinking uh, backwards. <laughs> like, well, nobody would really say that no, and not no. be – but if some situation happens and you feel awkward and, as my son would say, cringy, that's where you go <laughs> – Cringy. Yeah, that's that's a word kids use a lot. Yeah, right? I didn't they know. do. That's so cringy. Mm-hmm. It's so cr- Everything and, is cringe. Yeah. It's like, oh, my kids say that too. Yeah, oh, really? Cringy, and that's when you know you get that uh, – like when I was a kid, if something got cringy, I'd turn it off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, now, now cringy, you, you're like – Oh man, this is awesome! What the, well, how are they going to get out of this? You know, uh, a TV executive told me one time that what you're talking about, what used to be broadcast, I guess it's still called network television. It's not broadcast any longer. But the reason they do that, that whole just really simple, and uh, yeah, I got to go downstairs because there's something happening. Because seventy percent of people on Earth cannot think beyond the level of a twelve. Right, I get it. I get it. But I don't, so I, it doesn't money. interest me. No, I understand. In that. the show, and that's why I love the the cable stuff or the Netflix stuff because, mm-hmm. or any of those types of uh, internet shows that are like high level internet shows because they give you, they let you not understand everything that's going on, mm-hmm. and you have to go figure it out. Or if you can't, I, I mean, there's stuff I miss all the time. And that's the stuff I'm thinking about and why I can't wait to see what's going to happen. And a lot of people just like yeah. to, a lot of people, it's like the difference between a pregame show and a postgame show, I think. <laughs> yes. A exactly. pregame show, they tell you all the things that you think are going to happen. And some of it happens and then it doesn't. And you're like, well, that was a waste of time to think right. about that. And the postgame show, you're like, here's what happened. Here's our analysis. Well, the postgame show is really more you know listening to the the talking heads the next day is more what i care about the the opinions that i like to listen to personally than what they projecting that's going to happen because nobody knows what's going to happen no, it's the gambling either. aspect of it that makes the predictions fun because somebody's either going to be right or wrong on it but when it's afterward you actually get to say well this is what happened this is what happened and this happened it's unbelievable that this series of events happened and that's how the game ended is there one role that you'd really love to play someday? Uh, no, I don't have anything that's, I mean, I haven't really even thought that far yet. I'm trying to figure out what my what my main character, what's the perfect acting role for me to get that would, like, make me pop. And I think it's somewhere in the... The, the kind of character that just questions, like, what, the, what are you talking about? That's where I come right. from a lot. That's where my stand-up's starting to come from. Yeah. And that's why I'm trying to push that more in terms of and, – and get that further developed because then somebody can go, oh, you watch a stand-up. This guy's the perfect guy to go in that role mm-hmm. um, and have a type. Like you know, to have my my type right now is guy who breaks into other characters. So yeah, I'd like no, to have the, right. I'd that's like right, to become yeah. who I really am and and act from that first, and then after I've pigeonholed myself that way, maybe become a better actor and get as many different types of roles as possible. But I, I, there's nothing that I've found that's that I think would be perfect for me. No way. Well, what I like about it is the fact that you've decided 
you've you had great success in your career. There's no question about that. And you've decided now it's time for me to go somewhere else. I think that's very, very smart because the problem for me at least is, and maybe it's this, you know, that time in my life is that people, they, if they do the same thing their entire life, uh, you're going to realize, boy, this is almost over. Right. And you don't want to ever think that. This, oh, yeah, this, my life is almost over. This part. Well, then do something else. I mean, it's actually what I'm really focusing on now is eventually um, doing only interviews. Hmm. I would, I love doing interviews. I like, you know, and I don't, I don't do any show prep. I don't, you know, I, I had heard from Tom Griswold that you were doing what you're doing, which interested me. But I didn't go read up on what you were doing because right. I just want a normal reaction from you and i want to react normally to you well right yeah and that's uh, it's almost like the acting kind of thing but uh, the yeah. other thing is half the people if you read up on it they're getting it wrong anyway so well, i see how most of these people are promoting true, yeah i prom- i talk about all these shows and they they're selling them wrong they're I, like i gave them yeah. specifics on this is not they're like the world's premier impressionist, the galaxy's greatest impression. I'm like, no, that's not what this show is. That's not what I want to portray it as. Yep. I'm going to do some of the impressions, but then they put the note that I put out at the end. But they try and sell it a different way first. I'm like, you guys are totally missing it. The whole point is, I'm going up there, and now you you're making it harder for me because more of the people aren't unaware of what I'm trying to do, and I'm not doing impressions for the first you know five, ten, fifteen minutes other than a. <laughs> Boom, you know, right. to tell a story about that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's the difficult thing is you can't just – you can't even look it up because I've seen so many people get it wrong. That, you know, even the person I'm doing the interview with and some of them like, uh, just aren't yeah. listening as I'm saying it. So so you're not going to completely walk away from what you've done. No, no, no. There's still elements of it there. It's just time. done differently. Yeah. Uh, you know, the way of going about it. Like if I'm talking about, let's say, Trump, and I don't take a political direction, I, I make fun of him because I think there are things that he does that are so well, ridiculous no matter what. Yeah. Um, that I, that it, but it isn't about the, just the, the easy bashing the whole time. It's just looking exactly. at it. But I talk about doing a sketch with Donald Trump before he was president and the sketch going down, something with the cameraman not moving, the director calls cut, and he looks around and says, is this okay? Does this seem okay? Does everything seem okay? He's <laughs> like, everybody around the room, yes, Mr. Trump, fantastic. Mr. Trump's like, wait, does anybody ever say something isn't good? And he goes, no, Frank, that's part of the problem. I can't get real answers. So yeah, that well. was the element. And then there was like this element where there's this time, he takes me from there, because we're in Trump Tower, and he takes me over to the uh, Trump Evader, which, you know, it was, it was so Willy Wonka. He's like, do you have a second? Come with me. <laughs> <laughs> and the Trump Evader, you know, the elevators go up and down. Trump, the Wonka Evader goes side to side or whatever. Trump Evader swirl around and flip back. Uh, so, But on the way to the Trump Evader, he's like, he knew every worker's name in Trump Tower. He's like, that's great, Phil. Fantastic job. And I just want to go, Phil, I can't believe he knows your name. He's like, that's because it's Mark. You know, fake news, fake news. That never really happened. So... Right. It's truth, like the, those stories and moments in them, and I'm. That's where I'm coming from. Instead of just doing straight up Trump jokes, like right. the stuff, like just the the, um, the wall jokes and that kind of thing. Right. It's, or it's, even it's been or done. Even, yeah. Or even the stuff where. Um, uh, I talk about his way of talking uh, that he gets people on board. Uh, 
President Obama would say, let me be clear. And then he would say something that he wanted to get you on his side. Trump will say this at the end, and everybody knows it. And, so that's, and everybody they're, knows They're all doing these Jedi moves that I don't know if they're learned or taught or what, but that's how people get, get you on board. Um, so it's not just those types of things. It's more the person. I'm trying to pull everything I can into being personal. How does yeah, it? How is yeah. it in my world? And then if I make observations along the way, that's fine because that's part of it. But I want it to be more about how does it come from me and uh, the interaction I've had or what I've learned. That's wonderful. We'll I be know. right back for the final segment with Frank Caliendo right after this Tom Bernard show. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been to lose weight at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth with their weight loss plan. I'm down over 77 pounds, and I have one more round to go to shed the rest of my unwanted pounds. Find out how to have success losing weight like I did by attending the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth free informational dinner. It is on Monday, August 20th, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. That extra baggage melts away really fast, and one of the best parts is it's just so easy. I am never, ever hungry. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has educated me on clean eating, and I now know the foods that work for me and the weight gain trigger foods. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth will guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and they can help you, too. Register for the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on August 20th. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Let's talk about good things. Does your car work? You got a roof over your head? You got kids, parents, a spouse who loves you, or a mate? These are the good things you have because you live in America, the country that has more immigration than any other nation on earth. You have these things because the U.S. military stands at a wall and protects you from any person or thing that would take them away from you. The entire volunteer military that stands at the ready just in case. The greatest fighting force ever known on planet earth. Every person serving in our military is ready to lay down their life for your freedom, and all too often, they do. I'm the executive director of the Gold Star Ride Foundation, an organization set up to do just one thing, take care of families left behind when one of our brave fighters loses their life for you. We're riding motorcycles throughout the country to achieve this purpose, and you can help. Go to goldstarride.org and make a donation or learn where we are so you can come and ride with us. It's a small thing we do. It was a huge thing that they did. Goldstarride.org. That's goldstarride.org. Make a donation today. The eyes lead. No, that's the OJs. Yep. For the love of money yeah, is the root of all evil. Yeah, this was the um, theme song that they used for Celebrity Apprentice, Donald yeah. Trump show. I just wanted to point out that I actually did hit the post, and then you talked over. I'm sorry. Oh, way to go. Don't worry about my feelings. <laughs> Ruining my radio career. It's just unbelievable, the whole thing. Um, you know, it's really interesting to me. I've been noticing this lately, and I don't know what it's all about. But uh, Joe Souchere and Pat Royce are going to end their show coming up uh, on September 7th. They And, of course, the newspaper where Pat Royce works... The headline was, Souchere and Royce get the axe. Well, if you're working at that newspaper, you really want to read in your own newspaper that you got the axe? Mm. Yeah, I mean, they ended the show. I wouldn't really call it a firing. It's just the show came to an end, right? right. <laughs> so there are all these comments in the Star Tribune. In the Pioneer Press, there was not one comment about me. In the Star Tribune, there were several. 
And what's really weird about them is, is a, a guy sent them all to me, separated them all and sent all the comments to me. And I read them, and half of them were, um, you know, Bernard's show has just gotten so conservative and it's just leaned so far right I can't stand to listen to it. And the other half were, you know, he's such a liberal. He uses the Lord's name in vain. It's like, right. well, it's one or the other or it's neither. Right. How do people get the impression? They will make you whatever they want you to be, won't they? I think there's a. I think there definitely people are always there's that confirmation bias. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that people love to see. Uh, I mean, if, oh if you're, my God, Lindahl's here. If, yeah. if you're if a person in your political party that you like, and I'm a middle of the, I don't think I fit in any political. No, I don't party. either. I'm a centrist but, all the way. But if if somebody on your team, let's say you're a Democrat, if somebody on your team does something, to go, hey, wait, wait, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. But if the Republican does it, it'd be like, they are evil. Yeah. And the same thing is the opposite. The yeah, Republicans yeah, see that, ladies, let's true. give this Republican guy a benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And then the Democrat, they'll be like, that person is evil. Well, no, it's neither. <laughs> They're just coming from a different point of view than you are. That's it. And we can maybe work something out if I'm not the most hateable person well, on look, earth. Again, when you see um, some of these tweets that people have in their history of tweets, like the baseball player and the Brewers. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, so here's here's where I'm going to come on that. And maybe you'll have a different uh, take on this. Um, being a person right, of color. Yeah. Um, <laughs> black man in America today. That's black man in America. This is America. But there's, there's a reality <laughs> of this where a person grows up and you become a product of everybody around you. So right. if people around you are racist, pretty good shot you're going to be racist. Now, as an adult, you grow up and you learn, you get better, yeah, you and you, yeah. you know to get away from that. Not everybody knows a way to, not everybody gets away from that quick enough. Not everybody understands it. Not everybody's been around. I have a friend who is black who said when he was in the Navy, he met a guy that was pretty racist, I guess, in the Navy at the time. This is 20, 30 years ago, at least 20 years ago, I'd say. But he said, the guy had never met a black person before, and he was right. from California. He didn't even—he couldn't believe that he'd never met a black person before. But the the guy, the white guy, had these conceptions or misconceptions, and he's like, "Well, no." And he's like, "I'll help you with it." And they became friends. But the thing was, from the beginning, the guy had—he didn't know. He didn't right. understand that people are just people on the inside because he wasn't right. taught that. Uh, conversely, I was out at uh, Louise LSU a few years ago while Miles uh, Les Miles was still there. Mm-hmm. He was talking about some of these guys come from situations where their grandma has them selling weed on the corner. They don't. They don't know. The grandma's the one who's got you selling the drugs. Yeah, yeah. You grow up, that's just your life. Grandma wouldn't do something wrong. No. Grandma, no, no, I mean, no, you're right. your parents wouldn't do something wrong. You don't know. You have to learn. And sometimes it takes people to become an adult and get into adulthood and be around other people to go, hey, you can't do that. You can't be around that. And you can't think that way. But if, ever, if, you're, raised in a, if you're raised in a house where somebody thinks – if you're raised by Archie Bunker – it's hard not to think that that's that's right. that's how I've been right. raised right. my entire life. Yeah, you, when it's all you know, then how, you don't. It's all you know, you don't and know it's I'm, again. I'm not saying it's right. I think it's terrible. I think it's yeah. terrible that somebody would raise somebody like that. But you can't fault the kid who's basically an experiment gone wrong. Yeah. at that point, and especially when because what he tweeted it when he was 17 years old, and now right. 
years later. Well, I don't want you defending him, but um, <laughs> <laughs> no. But I mean, there is some, there is some truth that seventeen. But you got to go back and look and say, you got to get, get rid of that stuff earlier, yeah. and then and say, you got to look back and say, what did I do? But a lot of these kids haven't done. I hear my son playing video games, and he's just swearing and screaming, and all the other yeah. kids, that, you know, the kids he knows from church, they're all yelling, <laughs> screaming from, from the church league basketball. Yeah. They're sure. all they're all saying these terrible things. I'm like, does anybody know who you are? Because that you got to be careful as you get older. You want to get a job. You can't say some of these things. Although I even look at Facebook now and I'll see some of the teachers, some of the stuff they're saying. I'm like, yeah. wow, you nobody really realizes they have a job anymore. They just want to well, make sure you know what the opinion is. I tell you, the only black man I'm ever, I've ever been mad at is somebody I absolutely adore. And that's Richard Pryor. And the only reason I'm mad at him is because I cannot say the name of his first two albums. It's really pissed me. <laughs> it's really up, it upsets me to no end that I can't say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> or Bicentennial. Yeah. <laughs> you know, either one. Of, I, 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 you know, the thing that is really good, and Tevin, I wanted to get your take on this because I talked about this on the air this morning. Why is it that so-called intellectual white people think they have to help you. I don't get that. Oh uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, the the whole like oh when you're helping you like I don't. You don't need, need anybody's help. help. Like, I if I needed I, help, I'd ask somebody. And, to, I mean, help. your charming personality's enough for me. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But no, it bothers me that some white people think that if you don't really support the black man as much as you can and help them along, you're racist. No, actually, you're racist because right, you think the other you have kind to help racism. them. Yeah, that yeah, you think everybody guy. always right. needs help. There's, so I mean, there's, the a good, there's a good intention there, but it's, yes, it's, but it's assuming wrong. that a group of people can't do something. So it's, that yeah, to me really is the weird. same. In the end, that's pretty much the same thing. But again, that's looking at things from just a different perspective. Somebody's trying to be helpful and stuff like that, but you're going, that's pretty condescending. It's really condescending to me. And the other thing I'm still pissed off at Richard Pryor about, because I thought he was brilliant, is that one of the greatest lines in the history of movies, when he says, well, when the the mayor of the town says, we'll take the N's and the C's, but we don't want the Irish. It's brilliant, (laughs) because he goes all the way through that, saying these two horrible words about people, and he just says, the people he really hates, he calls them, the Irish. <laughs> I, it's brilliant. It's brilliant comedy because you're offensive as hell about the two people you accept, but not them. Right. I mean, it's wonderful stuff. It, it. I don't know. Richard Pryor changed. He changed my. See, life. I didn't. I didn't even enjoy Pryor as much until I started getting into what I'm trying to do now because I oh, realized really? how hard oh, and interesting man. that stuff is. Yeah. To 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 do that and turn real life tragedy into comedy. Or yeah, just tell stories from your real life. That kind of opening up is the amazing thing to me. Could you imagine what it felt like to Richard Pryor? He's brought in by Mel Brooks to do a rewrite on uh, Blazing Saddles. He writes all this brilliant comedy. Uh, one line that was cut from the movie is when Lily von Stupp is with the sheriff, and it's it's the, the scene's totally dark. You can't see anything, and she says. Is it true what they say about you people? And then you hear a zipper go down, and she said, oh, it's true, it's true. Well, they cut a line out right after that because the sheriff says, 
excuse me, lady, but you're sucking on my pistol. I mean, yeah. it's brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant stuff. But how crushing would it be if you're Richard Pryor, you've written this movie, probably the funniest movie ever, and then they tell you, but you can't play the sheriff because you're too controversial. Yeah. What? what? Well, the best line, or my favorite line for that movie, is when they yell, the, where the white women at? I've, <laughs> I've yelled that more times than I should admit. You yell at me. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just brilliant, brilliant stuff. But he was not allowed to be who he really was because as a real person, not just a writer, you're too controversial. Right. What? I didn't realize. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was supposed to play the sheriff in the... Well, he was in the middle of a... Like, he was busted for cocaine or something yeah, like that. So semantics. They didn't want him to... It's yeah. all semantics, yeah. Now, exactly. right, now that's called uh, professional athlete. That's, that's, that's that professional yeah. athlete. Or in the 80s, problem. it was called every actor ever. Right. So, <laughs> it was just... He did, he, he did coke 10 years too early is all. Yeah. <laughs> he did. He was ahead of the curve, and he got punished for it. Head of the coke curve. God, he was brilliant. I mean, kid from Peoria, Illinois. His mother is a hooker, and his grandmother is the madam of the hookers. It's like, wow. what a great way to grow. No wonder you're funny, because yeah. right? otherwise you'd be crying 24 hours a day. <laughs> you think there's still an element to that? You can't really be funny unless you're kind of sad as well. I don't know about sad. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. That, to me... I don't know if sadness is where it comes from, because I, I, I feel pretty content in life. Yeah, um, you always have been. Yeah, I, uh, I think maybe that's part of my problem, too. Like, I've always been, I've never been, like, the sad clown kind of person to finding stuff from complete tragedy. Mm-hmm. But I try to avoid tragedy. I try to work my way around it and not be yeah. in it. What but did you say like, earlier to your dad? Did your, your dad never told you he loved you? Yeah, he never, but he didn't tell anybody. I mean, no, I my, my dad loved one person, him. He loves, my dad loves, well, my dad's happened. the kind of guy you'll see him, and it'll be like, uh, you're not going to believe it. I went two for four today. <laughs> like, you're giving me your softball stats, and I haven't seen you for, like, a month, two months? But when your son, you tell your son you love him, it makes you tear up. It can, so I mean, but he, and he, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, but it's not because I wasn't. I just wanted to know that. But you I'm, wanted to know. Yeah, I'm kind of good with it. <laughs> I don't know. That would have been weird. Uh, uh, yeah, it have been too weird. I know it just wasn't him, though. I don't feel bad about it because I know right. where it is. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure where that's at. I'm, I've got that's something I could delve into. But it's never made me really sad, I don't think. I don't think it's I ever. I guess we're going to find out, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we're going to find out how, <laughs> how tragically I end. Uh, it's pretty amazing. I, I, I tell you what, I, honest to God, I want to say this again because we only got like three minutes left. But you, whether you know it or not, are the hardest working guy in, in the comedy business. You do whatever it takes. A lot of guys, if they had Monday and Tuesday sold out, would go, well, I don't really want to do any media. You, you came and did two hours of this show. You're going to do the KQ Morning Show tomorrow. That's hard work, man. I mean, it's great well, to see you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's all true. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yes wonderful. and no. I mean, it helps. I mean, uh, part of it, yes. But at the same time, there is some stuff that gets me thinking and gets me ready for the show tonight. Yeah, yeah so I can see it. Yeah. There's, there's elements of that, too. But so. it's work. But it's good to, you know, and you guys... Help me sell this stuff out so I don't have to work as hard. So I'd rather come in afterward and do stuff as a appreciative um, 
because next time you let me call in and like some places some shows won't let you call in two weeks in advance or a month in advance oh, they're yeah. like well just call the week up and I'm like you're defeating the purpose I, <laughs> I, I don't want I want, I want the tickets to be sold before I get yeah. there so because yeah. once people can't get in more people want to get in right mm-hmm. that's the thing is the, the, the difficult thing with comedy clubs has been especially a lot of these bigger comedy clubs have come out that are five six hundred seats yeah nobody ever sells out so everybody can wait to the last second to sell to, to buy tickets so when you sell out early and you sell out in advance now people know oh, i gotta get them next time so if i come that through next time with a more polished show at a theater yeah people know they gotta get the tickets in advance because they couldn't get them last time do you ever play the west palm beach improv yeah how, what is there, like 2,000 seats? That's no, like that 600. That's like 600. God. It's huge. It's, it's a beautiful club. It's too. a beautiful club, but I don't like the dinner service. It's like stop making so much noise during the act, please. That'd be nice. Yeah, I don't. I don't know because I'm just, just too engulfed in myself up there. You're just so <laughs> self-involved that you're not paying. A, look, I love the club. It's a beautiful club. That's yeah. two blocks from my house. So oh, really? Oh, yeah, okay, I didn't correct. realize it. Yeah, because it's. It's so it's got a Miami thinking to it too, even yeah, though yeah, the, the clientele yep. is more West Palm. But yep. Miami's just loud, you know. They, oh, there's a, they, the servers sometimes are like, oh, there's an act up there. Who knew? You got to make my I tip didn't money. That was true. It's yeah. wonderful. So tonight, tomorrow night, sold out at Acme, one of the great comedy clubs in America. No question. Yeah, about absolutely. That. Except for him. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's I mean, pain. No, and it, you know, people might be able to hear in Iowa too. That now that we're there's, I'm going to Fairfield, Iowa on Thursday or on Wonder, Wednesday. On Wednesday, Cedar Rapids got two shows that are sold out already. And, and uh, but FrankOnStage.com gives you all the information. Uh, I had Frank on stage, so people don't have to spell Caliendo because I tell people this from Minneapolis. When I first came out here, be like, are you? Uh, they would call up Acme and like, is that uh, Frank Calamari there? Yeah. Frank Calamari. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, a lightly breaded squid served with marinara. <laughs> Frank Caliente. It just means hot. Yeah. Right. So well, Caliendo is hot in Italian. It's it's hot Italian. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. 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 Ladies, you know I'm hot. I'm hey, Caliendo. Great to see you, my friend. Yeah, no, seriously, it's been, I don't know, it's been decades. It's just wonderful. Yep, fantastic. It's a great uh, relationship. But, yes, we'll, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Perfect. And then uh, in a couple of weeks you'll be back. Yeah, I'll, I'll ignore think. you completely. I would do that because I'm going to be on vacation. Good. So be... <laughs> oh, he goes good. Yeah, great to see you, Frank. I don't feel. And you added a ton when you got in here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When Appreciate. are you bringing Tony back? I haven't seen Tony in a while. Well, why not? <laughs> Never mind. I'm gonna... That's going to do it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard.